Welcome to Disciple Making Ministries Podcast. This is your host, David Spirik, broadcasting from Kyiv, Ukraine. This is a missionary podcast dedicated to multiplying disciple-making movements internationally. Our vision is to finish the disciple-making movement that Jesus started and passed on to his disciples. Our mission is to engage, to establish, to equip, and to empower believers internationally to start their own disciple-making movements among family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, and churches. Our values include being biblical, incarnational, relational, transformational, reproducible, faith-driven, prayer-driven, process-driven, principle-driven, kingdom-driven, and Holy Spirit-driven. Our services arise out of our spiritual gift set of teaching, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, and apostleship. We're glad that you joined our show today and would like to get to know you better, so drop us a note to introduce yourself and let us know from where you're listening. We welcome ideas for future show topics and guest speakers. We're reaching for excellence here, so leave us some feedback on our website at www.disciplemakingministries.org or leave us a voicemail message on our telephone line at area code 214-377-1107. You may indicate there if you'd like your voicemail message to be included in a future podcast episode. I'll return in just a few moments with today's main topic. Welcome to the show today. You know, I'm so honored to be able to spend this time together with you. I pray that this show would be a blessing in your life. I also pray that you would be able to take away practical lessons for making disciples where God has placed you. I feel that I've been away from you for a long time now. You may not realize it, but last week's show was pre-recorded. And so I've actually been away from the microphone for about two weeks. And it's been a little bit of a challenge to get back into the routine of recording these episodes. But I hope you enjoyed last week's interview with Dale Losh. I know it was a personal blessing for me. I learned a lot of valuable lessons, one of which was that discipleship takes place on both sides of the cross. I'm working on some contacts for possible future interviews, but before I record them and air them on the show, I'd like to hear some feedback from you. What kind of format do you enjoy? Do you prefer a teaching format? Do you prefer personal stories, interviews? By providing some feedback, you can help me form this podcast show to better meet your needs. So drop on over to my website and leave some feedback there. The website can be found at www.disciplemakingministries.org. Today we're going to continue our series entitled The Essentials of Disciple Making. I remind you that essentials are foundational elements without which we are unable to function well. Three essentials in the physical world are air, water, and food. Without air, we are unable to function in about three minutes. Without water, we are unable to function in about three days. And without food, we are unable to function in about three weeks. Likewise, there are essentials in the spiritual realm. Scriptures compare the Holy Spirit to being like the living breath of air in our spirits. Scriptures compare Jesus to being like the living water that refreshes our soul. And scriptures compare Jesus to being like the bread of life that nourishes our bodies. So there are many essentials for our spiritual lives. 
So far, we've discussed the essentials of hope, faith, love, prayer, identity, and intentionality. Hope is very essential because you need that in order to have joy and peace in your life. Scripture says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You have to have hope that God is going to reproduce fruit through your disciple. Another essential for discipleship is faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the substance of things unseen. It takes great faith just to invite somebody to become your disciple. Another essential of discipleship is love. Love is the power behind the relationship. Love is going to be patient, kind, not jealous, not bragging, not arrogant, not seeking its own, not taking into account what is wrong, but rejoicing in the truth, bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things, and enduring all things. Another essential of disciple-making is prayer. You can have a perfect plan for discipleship. You can have a great process for taking people through discipleship. And you can know theological principles of making disciples. But every situation, every relationship is unique. And you're going to need to pray through the process of disciple-making. Another essential for disciple-making is identity. Those who are the most successful in making disciples have a very strong identity of who they are in Christ and who they are as disciple-makers. Scripture clearly says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So how you perceive your identity is actually how you're going to behave in reality. Another essential for disciple-making is intentionality. In order to hit a target, you must first have a target. So the most successful disciple-makers have intentionality built into their disciple-making routines. Well, today I want to discuss another essential of disciple-making, which is obedience. But before we talk about the topic of obedience, I'd like to do a little vision casting here on the show. Proverbs 29.18 reads, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Habakkuk 2.2 reads, Write down the vision and make it plain upon tablets, so that he who reads it may run with it. Our vision is to finish the disciple-making movement that Jesus started by engaging, establishing, equipping, and empowering believers internationally to make disciples among their family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, and churches. First of all, I'd like to point out the fact that Jesus started this idea of discipleship. This was not our idea. Jesus made disciples. Jesus' disciples made disciples. And that was passed on through the generations down to us. Secondly, I'd like to point out the fact that Jesus started a movement. Jesus never intended for this Christianity to be a life of addition, but rather a life of multiplication. This was to be a movement that reached out from Judea to Samaria to the uttermost ends of the earth. Third, I'd like to point out the fact that Jesus engaged people in relationships. Jesus did not build a building. Jesus did not develop a program. Jesus did not write any books. 
Jesus did not try to attract huge crowds. Jesus was intentionally engaged in powerful, transformational, personal relationships. Next, I'd like to point out the four E's in this vision statement. Jesus was always engaging new people. He was always establishing his disciples in truth. He was equipping them for the works of service, and he was empowering them to go out and expand his kingdom throughout the world. Jesus developed an organic discipleship, which means that you go exactly where you're assigned to go and work within the circles of influence that God has already given you. And so our vision statement talks about influencing our family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, and local churches for multiplying disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, before diving into our topic of the essential of obedience, I want to share a couple of stories of real disciple makers out there in the world. These two disciple makers recently contacted me by email, and they've invited me to come and help train disciples where they are located. The first I'd like you to pray for is named Pastor Jacob. He is a church planter in remote villages of Telangana state of India. Now, this state has a population of over 36 million people, and most of those are unbelievers. He's working in the remote villages among the lower classes of the Hindu people, most of whom adhere to the Hindu religion and some of whom adhere to the Islamic religion. And he has been faithfully serving there for decades. I'm asking you to pray for Pastor Jacob. Pray for God to empower him to make disciples among the villages where he has been assigned. The second person I'd like you to pray for is Pastor Udemi, who is from the country of Nigeria. Udemi has written me, also asking me to come and help train disciples in Nigeria. The Lord has placed on his heart to bring the church to a point of maturity through spiritual fathering, and he wants to raise up a population of committed disciple-makers in Nigeria who would go out and reach their family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, and local churches for Christ. Now, we here at Disciple Making Ministries would love to go to these two locations and train disciple-makers in India and in Nigeria. I've checked on the airfare to these two countries from my location, and it costs about uh, $700 round trip for me to go from here to India, and about $850 for me to travel round trip between here and Nigeria. If you're interested in helping me get to these locations to help train disciple makers, then please contact me on my website. I'd love to be a partner with you in this great commission. After a short break, we'll return with today's main topic, the essential of obedience in disciple-making.
Welcome back to the show. This past week, I was listening to some other podcasts on the topic of discipleship, and this particular speaker was telling us that he didn't use any of the traditional methods of disciple-making that we're all familiar with. He didn't center on buildings. He didn't center on programs. He didn't center on events. He didn't center on worship. He didn't even center on developing spiritual maturity. Instead, he centered his efforts on two things, on prayer and obedience to the commands of Christ. He was sharing a story about one of his disciples. This particular disciple was not particularly attractive, and he was not a very good speaker. In fact, he spoke rather monotone. And this disciple was not necessarily a great leader, and he was not gifted musically. But this disciple-maker was reproducing 7 to 10 new disciple-making small groups every single month. Hundreds were coming to Christ and were making other disciples through this one individual's efforts. He was reaching more people than even megachurches have in Western societies today. What was the secret of his spiritual success? The speaker went on to explain that the secret of his success was spending several hours each day in prayer, and obeying the commands of Jesus Christ. You know what? This begins to make a lot of sense to me. We don't need some kind of expensive building, or some kind of spectacular program, or some super events, or even talented worship, or even a program centered around spiritual maturity so much as we need to spend time in prayer and obedience to the commands of Jesus Christ. There is an essential to disciple-making, namely obedience. It's right there in the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18-20 reads, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Now you know most believers speak very positively about the Great Commission. In fact, most believers have even memorized Matthew 28:18-20. We've become so familiar with the phrases that it just flows naturally out of our mouths. You may even see this written on posters on the walls of churches or in homes. But do we really do what is written in the Great Commission? As I was studying this concept of the essential of obedience in disciple-making, I decided to dig into the Great Commission once again. 
Now I have Bible software on my computer, and there are a number of versions out there that say the word observe rather than obey. I thought to myself, well, I wonder what the difference is. The NIV says to obey, and these other versions say to observe. Now to me, to observe is quite a bit different than to obey. While I'm driving a vehicle, I observe all kinds of things that happen around me. Maybe somebody steps to the crosswalk. Maybe a bird flies in front of the car. Maybe there's a dog about to cross the street. Maybe there are buses and cars nearby on the left, on the right, in front of me and behind me. Maybe there are traffic lights. I observe all kinds of things out there, but uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that I respond to them in any way. It kind of depends on the situation. So I got to digging into the scriptures to find out what is the true meaning here in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 28. Are we supposed to teach them just to observe or to watch the commands of Jesus? Or is it actually that we should teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded? I did a quick reference in the Russian Bible, which uses the word sabludat. That also means observe. I also did a quick reference to the Ukrainian version of the Bible, and it says Vikonovati, which means to fulfill. Then I decided, well, I need to go back to the Greek. So I went to the Greek version, and there the word is terrain. And the word terrain has three official meanings in the Greek. It means to keep in view, to guard or hold in custody, or perhaps even to obey commands. So what is the true sense of this word in the context of the passage? After digging deep and after studying a number of different versions and different contexts, the meaning is, guess what? To obey. I'm afraid that many of us today are able to say the Great Commission from memory, but there are very few of us who are actually obeying this Great Commission of teaching others to obey everything that Christ has commanded. And this raises other questions. What is everything that Christ has commanded? I thought John 21:25 said that if we recorded everything that Jesus did, the world could not contain all the books. How could we possibly obey everything that Jesus commanded when he did so many different things? And this also raises another question. That is, the question of the tension between grace and works. If we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, then what is this emphasis here on obedience or works? So are we supposed to just observe the commandments of Jesus, or are we literally supposed to obey the commandments of Jesus? And what are those commandments? So today we're going to dig into the answers of these questions. First, I want to be perfectly clear to you that Jesus obeyed the Father, and Jesus is our example. Matthew 26:39 says, Going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but you will. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Hebrews 5.7-10 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. 
and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who would obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. I don't think you can argue with the fact that Jesus himself obeyed the Father. In fact, he said himself, I do only what I see my Father doing. So the point is that obedience is absolutely essential to disciple-making. Even the apostles backed this up when Peter and the others replied, We must obey God rather than man. This is backed up again in Acts 6-7 when it says that, So the word of God spread. The number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. In Romans it says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Second Corinthians 10.5 reads, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 1 Peter 1.14-16 reads, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. First Peter 1, 22-23 reads, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. I think Peter Forsyth was right when he said, The first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. It has also been said that the fruit of the Spirit grows only in the garden of obedience. In the 11th century, King Henry III of Bavaria grew tired of court life and the pressures of being a monarch. He made application to Prior Richard at the local monastery, asking to be accepted as a contemplative and spend the rest of his life in the monastery. Your Majesty, said Prior Richard, do you understand that the pledge here is one of obedience? That will be hard, because you have been a king. I understand, said King Henry. The rest of my life I will be obedient to you as Christ leads you. Then I will tell you what to do, said Prior Richard. Go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place where God has put you. When King Henry died, a statement was written about him. The king learned to rule by being obedient. So now that you disciple-makers out there understand that discipleship requires obedience, we'll come back after the break and explain exactly what are the commands of Jesus Christ that we are to obey. Okay. 
Roger Staubach, who led the Dallas Cowboys to the World Championship in 1971, admitted that his position as a quarterback who didn't call his own signals was a source of trial for him. Coach Landry sent in every play from the sidelines. He told Roger when to pass, when to run, and only in emergency situations could Roger change the play, and he had better be right. Even though Roger considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind when it came to football strategy, Pride told him that he should be able to run his own team. But Roger later said, I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and joy. The same is true in the spiritual world. Once we learn to obey the Father, there is harmony, fulfillment, and victory in life. But the question is, what commands did Jesus give to us to follow? Well, I'd like to read some of the commands to you today. Jesus commanded, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus commanded, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus commanded, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus said, Let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus said, Be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Jesus said, Let your communication be either yes, yes, or no, no, for whatever is more than these is evil. Jesus said, Whoever asks you to go with him a mile, go with them too. Jesus said, Bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who despise you and persecute you. Jesus commanded, Be you therefore perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus commanded, When you pray, go into your inner secret room, and God will reward you in secret. Jesus commanded, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust corrupts, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus commanded, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus commanded, Judge not, lest you be judged. For with the judgment that you judge, you shall also be judged. And with the measure that you measure, it will be measured unto you. Jesus commanded, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine, or else they'll trample them under their feet, and turn it again and rend you. Jesus commanded, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him that knocks it shall be opened. 
Jesus commanded, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus commanded, Enter you in through the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are those who go in there. But narrow is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life, and few are those who find it. Jesus commanded, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are raving wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Jesus commanded, Pray you therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus commanded, Be you therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Jesus commanded, Fear not those who kill the body, but fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And Jesus commanded, He who has an ear, let him hear. Jesus commanded, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus commanded, Honor your father and your mother. And Jesus commanded, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And Jesus said, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake at the same will save it. Jesus commanded, Don't despise these little ones, but let them come to me. Jesus commanded, Beware of covetousness. Jesus commanded, Forgive them seventy times seven. Jesus commanded, Whatever has been joined together by God, do not put asunder. Jesus commanded, Whoever will be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever will be chief among you, let him be your slave. Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Jesus commanded that we ask in faith. Whatever we ask in prayer, we should believe so that we can receive. Jesus commanded that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, for this is the first and greatest commandment. This is the second commandment, like unto it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself, for upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus commanded, Watch therefore, for you don't know the hour that the Lord is coming. Jesus commanded to take and eat, for this is his body, and take and drink, for this is his cup of the blood of the new covenant. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus commanded, Feed my sheep. And Jesus commanded, Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Well, that is not a comprehensive list of all the commands, but that is a pretty good sampling of what Jesus has commanded us to do. I'd like to also point out the fact that the New Testament repeats nine of the ten commandments in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 20. You shall have no other gods before me, as repeated in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You shall not make for yourself any idols, is repeated in 1 John chapter 5 verse 21. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, is repeated in James chapter 2 verse 7. The only commandment of the Old Testament that is not repeated in the New Testament is the commandment about remembering the Sabbath. Why? Because with Jesus Christ, every single day is a Sabbath rest. The commandment to honor your father and your mother is repeated in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 through 3. 
The commandment that you shall not murder is repeated in 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 15 through 16 and 1 John chapter 3 verse 15. The commandment that you shall not commit adultery is repeated in Ephesians 5, 3 through 4 and 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. The commandment that you shall not steal is repeated in 1 Peter 4, 15 through 16 and Ephesians 4, 28. The commandment that you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor is repeated in Ephesians 4.25. And commandment number 10, you shall not covet, is repeated in Ephesians 5.3-4 and Colossians 3.5. So all ten commandments are taught in the New Testament, except for that Sabbath commandment. The interesting thing about Jesus and his commandments is that Jesus brought the ten commandments to a new level. You might say that Jesus brought the Ten Commandments to a heart level. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 21, it reads like this, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. The point is that Jesus heightened the effect of the law about murder, even to the attitude of anger. Secondly, it reads in verse 27, You have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, we see that Jesus heightened the whole point of adultery down to the heart attitude of even thinking about it. It was said, Whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, we see that Jesus heightened this Old Testament concept of issuing a certificate of divorce to the point of not divorcing for any reason at all except for unchastity. In verse 33, it reads again, you have heard it said that, they, that you shall make no false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I tell you, make no oath at all, either by heaven or by the throne of God or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your statement be yes or yes or no, no. Anything beyond these is evil. Again, Jesus here is heightening the effect of the Old Testament concept regarding making vows. In verse 43, it reads, You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you that you shall love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Again, Jesus is heightening the attitude that we should have towards our enemies. And at the end of this passage, Jesus says, Therefore you are to be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. In other words, the standard under Jesus' name is that of perfection. So, in this episode, we've established that Jesus lived a perfect life of obedience. We've established many of the commands of Jesus. We have seen that the New Testament repeats the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. And we have seen that Jesus has heightened those commands to the ultimate maximum of being perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. After the break, we're going to return and see how it's possible to obey these commands of Jesus. Welcome back to the final segment of our show. 
A little boy was riding his tricycle furiously around the block over and over again. Finally, a policeman stopped and asked him why was he going around and around. The boy said that he was running away from home. Then the policeman asked why he kept going around the block. The boy responded, because my mom said that I'm not allowed to cross the street. The point of this illustration is clear, that obedience will keep us close to those whom we love. But the question is, how can we obey all those commands of Jesus? Is that not impossible? Well, the answer is that with man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It is completely impossible to obey all the commands of Jesus out of our flesh. But out of the Holy Spirit, it is possible to obey all things. For it is the Spirit who gives us the power to obey the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. I read from John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch, and dries up. And they gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. The Apostle John, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 and following, wrote this, Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he has the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Verse 10. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. 
By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So I think you can take those commandments of Jesus Christ and boil them down to ten main areas. The first is to be born again. The second is to abide in Christ. The third is to pray as Jesus has taught us to pray. The fourth is seeking the kingdom of God first. The fifth is yielding our possessions and ourselves to Christ. The sixth is loving the Lord our God with all our heart and our neighbors, ourselves, and loving even our enemies. The seventh is giving or laying up treasures in heaven. The eighth is serving others. The ninth is delivering others from evil. And the tenth is discipling others. If you will focus on those ten principles, then you will be fulfilling the commands of Jesus Christ in obedience, and you will be drawing close to the one whom you love. What's the deal? What? I told you three days ago to clean your room. I know. I'm glad you know. It's a mess. I memorized what you said. What do you mean you memorized what I said? Every word. Wait, you memorized that I told you to clean your room? Yes. And I learned how to say it in Spanish and in Hebrew. And if you want to know how to say it in Spanish, it's yo limpio el dormitorio. That's, that's what? That's Spanish. 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 Okay. And I um, read a book. It's called Five Ways to Clean Your Room. It just really helped me to understand like what you said. And it was really life-changing. It was awesome. And I had friends from my small group over. It was so good. We talked about like the importance of a clean room and like what it's like to have a clean room and like how you should have a clean room. It was so, so good. It was absolutely incredible. And Susie came over, you remember? Yeah, she came over and we like mapped it out on a sheet of paper on what my room would have been like if I, when I did clean it. And it looked really good. Like it, everything was really precise. Uh, okay, well, um, keep up the, <laughs> keep up the good work. Thanks. I love you. Keep holding me accountable. Thank you for joining our show today. If you have a question about the topic, if you have comments or any feedback, if you have any ideas for future topics or guest speakers, if you'd like to download our free online discipleship curriculum, if you'd like to join our social networking group on Facebook, if you'd like to sign up for our next disciple-making webinar, if you'd like to become a patron, sponsor, crowdfunder, or volunteer to help us reach our goal, then start a dialogue with us at www.disciplemakingministries.org or leave a message at area code 214-377-1107. We also appreciate positive reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Podbean, as well as sharing the news about our podcast with your family and friends. Join us next week for another engaging episode. This is your host, David Spirik, signing off from Kiev, Ukraine.